Hi, my name is Bob Brooks, host and moderator of Long in the Tooth. This is a podcast primarily for late career dentists who are interested in doing a great job with their practices currently and also in planning for a transition of their practices to new ownership in the future. Our vision for the podcast is to be an educational format, not salesy at all. If you have been directed to join this podcast by a member of the dental industry in the United States, please thank them. This is going to benefit you. These are educational presentations that will hopefully help your profitability, your peace of mind, and your planning for the future as you are considering transitioning your practice to new ownership. Hi, this is Bob Brooks with Long in the Tooth Podcast, and we're pleased to have with us today Greg Jones from Doctor's Choice in Jupiter, Florida. Greg, we're glad you could join us. Bob, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully I can share some tidbits today where everyone's going to learn a ton. Good deal. Well, Greg, tell us just a little bit about your background and how you got into dental practice brokerage. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the owner of a brokerage firm based out of Florida called Doctor's Choice. And we've been around for over 32 years. My, my dad actually started the business. Myself, I've been de helping dentists buy and sell dental practices for eight years. However, I feel like I've been around it my entire life because, again, my, my dad started the company. He's been doing it for 32 years. And even when I was a wee lad, I'm always, I'm always hearing my dad on the phone and I'm always around the office. So even though I've only been doing this for eight years, uh, I, I feel like I've been doing it my entire life. But uh, our group, Doctor's Choice, just real quick, uh, we have 13 agents. Again, we're based out of Florida and we've done over 300 million in sales throughout the years. So I think we know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of sales. Well, Greg, our first question of the day is, uh, about um, private buyers. We're doing a couple episodes together and, and our first episode is about private buyers and our second episode is about DSO and group buyers. So in regard to private doctor buyers, what does today's typical private practice buyer look like as far as age, debt, experience, and so on? Absolutely, it's a great question. So from my experience, your typical buyer is going to be two to seven years out of dental school. Of course, we all have those doctors that are a little more ambitious and, you know, they start calling us, Bob, you know, six months out of school, a year out of school, and th they are able to get financing and they are able to buy practices. But typically, and generally speaking, your buyer is two to seven years out of dental school. You know, most young doctors right out of school, they're not confident enough you know, between speed and, and, you know, treatment presentation and all these other things that go into it to, to really take on more debt and buy a practice. So two to seven years out of school is kind of the sweet spot. Now, with, with that said, there's a myth out there, and this always gives me a laugh. There's a myth out there that, you know, females aren't buying dental practices, which is far from the truth. You know, nowadays, dental schools are 50% females, roughly, right? Not it's not an exact number there, but, but roughly 50% of graduates from dental schools are, are females. And from my experience, these 
females are buying practices, but it's typically a little later in their career. I've seen them, you know, want to have kids right out of school and they want to raise their kids, you know, and they're working as an associate part-time, you know, two, three days a week while they raise their kids. And then I get these phone calls, hey, Greg, I've been out of school 10 years, you know, I wanted to raise my kids, I'm through that now, you know, they're in school, now I have time to pursue my career and goals of, you know, owning a dental practice and owning my own business. So females are definitely buying practices, that's not true out there. Uh, and like I said, it, a female doctor could absolutely be your buyer for your practice out there. Uh, in regards to debt, let's talk about that a little bit. And everyone wants to moan and groan about, you know, how expensive dental school is nowadays, but you know, it's an investment and it's absolutely worth it. So dental schools are typically on average $75,000 per year from what I've seen. Nova Southeastern University, which is down here in South Florida, Bob, they run about $90,000 per year. What have you wow. seen, you know, from some of the schools local to you? Have you seen the same amount? Well, you know, I don't really track uh, what the tuition rate is, so I, I wouldn't be good at answering that. Yeah, no problem. Like I said, from I, I think they're all probably in line, plus or minus, um, that $75,000 per year mark. So we're looking at $300,000 in debt before living expenses, right? That's just for school tuition. So, you know, if they, if they have to take out additional loans to, uh, you know, for living expenses, it, it could easily be $400,000 all said and done by the time they get out of dental school. So it's not uncommon. And even with that said, banks are still lending these dentists 100% financing. So the dentist wants to buy your practice. A young, a young doctor wants to buy your practice. They're going to be able to get 100% financing. And it's unbelievable. And the reason for that is because dentists have the third lowest default rate of any business in America. Now, Bob, you, you might know this, but I'm curious. Do you know what, what business has the lowest default rate in America? This would be funeral homes. Yeah, I, I, knew, I knew you'd know. I knew you'd know. Yeah, I, I love that. Do you know what number two is? Couldn't say. I don't know. Okay, so chicken farmers. What is it? Wow. <laughs> apparently, well, we eat a lot see... of apparently, we eat a lot of chicken in America. Now I see you have a couple goats at your place in Jupiter. Are you about ready to buy some chickens too? No, no, yeah. <laughs> little fun fact, yeah. So we have three dogs, two goats, and a horse. So all right, I thought we. You know, I don't really think of Jupiter, Florida, as being goat country, uh, <laughs> but uh, apparently you have enough acreage there you can accommodate some livestock. Yep. So <laughs> going back into it, you know, yeah. Dentists are easily able to get loans, even though they are in significant debt and dentists don't fail. That, that's really what it comes around to. So that's probably a pretty good overview of your, your typical buyer out there. Good. Well, our next question is, what is a private buyer generally looking for when considering the purchase of a practice in the way of collections, number of operatories, equipment, and so on? Yep. So my typical phone call with the buyer, I call it Groundhog's Day because it's almost the same conversation every single time. You know, I get on the phone, Dr. Buyer, you know, tell me a little bit about you, tell me a little bit about what you're looking for. And they all have the same response. 
and it goes like this, and I break it down into five key points. So they want a minimum of four operatories. They all want practices that are paperless and digital. So let's talk about that a little bit more. <laughs> you, you have to understand, and I think the majority of practices in America today, they, they are do have digital radiography. But if you're film, you got to understand that, that these young dentists, they don't even have film radiography in dental schools anymore. They don't know how to use film x-ray units. So if you're film and you are greater than one year out from selling your practice, I highly encourage you to consider making the investment to convert to digital for a few reasons. One, it's going to be a tax write-off. Two, it's going to increase the appeal and the value of your practice. And three, it might be something fun, you know, something new for you, you know, to, to do in your last year or two of practice. So if, if you are film radiography still, highly push you to consider making the switch. Now, if you are considering selling your practice right now, there, there's no point in making the investment and going through the headache. So it's really for those people that are still, you know, pre-planning their transition. Moving on from there, they also want modern decor and equipment. So you have to understand different generations, different mindsets, different people. So they, they, they you know, we all want, and I'm, I'm one of them, right? So I can, I can speak for us. Uh, I'm a millennial. So we all want the latest and greatest. The new iPhone comes out. We want it. We have to have it, you know? So buyers love familiarity. They, they, they want to buy a practice that, you know, is already up to par, so to say, and what they expect. So expectations are everything. So I, I love this, Bob, because when I do my in-person seminars for buyers and sellers in my buyer seminar, I, I put up on the slideshow photos of offices that we've sold. And I say, looking at these photos, who wants to buy these practices? And no one raises their hand because the photos are of, you know, 1970s equipment, picture of the front desk with a typewriter. And these are real, real practices and real photos of offices we've sold. And, and then I say, okay, what if I told you guys this practice is doing a million dollars a year, operates at 50% overhead, and you could take home $500,000 per year? And they go, oh, oh, that, that makes sense. You know, that, now uh -huh. I'm intrigued. So you just kind of have to explain it to them. Um, but they, they do on the front end, they, they do want a more modern practice. But it, it's, it shouldn't, you just have to kind of hold their hand through it and explain to them, you know, hey, if you're making money, you're making half a million dollars a year, I think in a year's time, you'll be able to afford to buy new equipment. So that's, that's kind of that. Um, they also want exposure. Now, I've heard from my dad and, and you know, older generation doctors, that I love this story. They, uh, they told me that it used to be illegal to market. And if you put your name on the door, it can only be like an inch tall. So things have changed, you know, from, from that regard. And people wanna be, you know, in a public shopping center or a big retail shopping center. Sorry, Publix is a grocery store here in Florida. But, you know, in, in your, you know, chain grocery store, strip center, and they, they want that walk by traffic and that exposure and signage. So, so that's big to them. Now, 
I'm not telling you if you are third floor in a medical building, because obviously you're in New York City or, you know, a major metropolitan area, you, you might be in a professional building. And that's that's the norm. So we're, we're speaking in generalities here. Um, so that's kind of that. Now, in regards to revenue, most buyers, they tell me that they want to gross seven buy a practice that's grossing $700,000 or more. Now, I always laugh at that question because they don't know what they don't know because you can have a practice doing $700,000 a year in revenue, but what's the take home? So what they really want to know and what they really need is they want to buy a practice where they can make at least $200,000 per year. Your average associate in America, they're making on average 150,000. So if they're going to buy a practice and take on more debt and more headaches and more stress, they want to make more money. So that's kind of what I've seen, you know, from buyers as to what they're looking for at first glance. Good. Well, you kind of addressed uh, our next questions about it, what happens if your uh, office doesn't have some of the things that buyers are looking for. Um, let's talk about real estate a little bit. Uh, do buyers generally want to own real estate or uh, lease real estate? And what if a practice owner owns the real estate and they're con contemplating whether to, uh, to lease it or sell it? What's the situation there, Greg? Yeah, so interesting timing considering COVID. You know, for a while, banks were a little timid to do deals, but now lenders are getting more aggressive. More banks are getting into the medical dental realm, we'll call it. And because of that, more competition, you know, drives others to implement new promotions and, and get more aggressive on their terms and their financing. So there's actually two lenders out there nowadays that will lend a doctor 100% financing on the real estate. So I think we mentioned earlier that, you know, banks will lend 100% financing to a buyer on the practice, but they'll actually lend 100% financing on the purchase of the practice and the real estate. So a doctor can buy a practice and real estate with $0 down, which is unbelievable to think about so it's it's making it easier for these buyers to purchase the real estate so if you are a seller and you own the real estate and you want to cash out all at once where you sell the real estate and practice together you're, you're able to do that whereas prior you know buyers had to put down 20 percent financing which is the norm for an owner user property so a seller would typically either have to ask the buyer to hopefully use some of their savings and put down that 20% or more than likely the owner, the seller would have to hold a 20% note so the buyer could, could purchase the property. So things are changing and it's changing for the better. Um, but, but most buyers, I would say, understand the value in owning real estate. So I even get calls from buyers that tell me, hey, Greg, I only want to buy a practice if it includes the real estate. So I, I think it definitely increases the saleability and appealability um, to a practice if, if you are going to sell the real estate with it. Good. Well, that's interesting to know about the 100% financing. We've seen, obviously, um, conventional lenders requiring 15 to 20% down 
in the past and SBA lenders, we don't get into too much SBA lending, but you know, SBA lenders would, would go 10% down requirement. But the 100%, that's, uh, that's new information. And I'll have to collect more information on that from you offline once our uh, episode here is, is over with. Absolutely. All I right. want to add one more thing too to that is, okay. you know, what, what if the buyer of your practice, you really like him or her, but they don't want to own the real estate. You know, they don't want to take out that additional debt. So your buyer doesn't have to be the person that buys the practice. You know, you could keep the real estate as an investment for yourself for X amount of years. And if that person at that time doesn't want to buy it still, you could sell it as an investment property. So don't think just because the person who's buying your practice doesn't want to buy the real estate, you're stuck and there's no way you're gonna be able to sell your building. You know, you could sell it as an investment property. Good point. Let's uh, move the conversation to procedures. Sometimes uh, buyers perform more procedures than what the, a seller performs, and sometimes it's it's the opposite. Uh, perhaps the uh, the seller is doing a lot of things, and the buyer has just got a basic skill set. So, how does that affect practice sales? Yeah. So, first and foremost, it, it does. It it is a piece of criteria that is looked at when doing a practice evaluation, right? So let me give an example. Practice A doing a million dollars a year and the seller is old school, does only restorative dentistry. If it bleeds, they refer it out, right? So they're doing crowns and fillings versus a practice that practice B also doing a million dollars a year and the seller does everything, right? They're doing third molar extractions. They're doing Invisalign. They're doing posterior endo, you know, so on and so forth, placing implants. So we look at that when we do a practice evaluation because, you know, the guy, practice A or gal that's referring everything out, there's more quote unquote potential there. So th that that's, you know, buyer who does more advanced procedures than your typical general dentist, they can come in and grow that practice from day one. So just some you know insight there on, on that regard. But these younger docs that are coming out of school, I call them super GPs. <laughs> they, you know, a lot of the younger GPs, they are pushing themselves to do more advanced procedures. You know, they're taking courses to place implants. You know, they, they want to do endo, they want to do Invisalign. So it's interesting because from my experience, you know, the baby boomers, that generation, they were more restorative based. You know, they, they were taught to refer out everything to specialists. So again, a buyer can come in and grow a practice significantly from day one. Now, if you're a seller, as I mentioned, if you're a seller that's doing all those procedures, there are buyers, you know, that, that can replicate you, which is important. But just understand that it, I mean, it is going to be more difficult to find a quote unquote super GP, you know, we're looking at a, a smaller pool of buyers. So it just might take a little longer to sell a practice like this, and it's not going to sell for as much, generally speaking. Good. Well, Greg, this pretty much ends our time on the first episode here today. I'd sure like to thank our listeners for joining us and thank you for presenting to us today. Could you please share your contact information with the listeners in the event somebody would like to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Bob. 
My contact information is, again, my name is Greg Jones with Doctor's Choice. My phone number is 561-596-1782. Or you can visit our website, which is doctors-choice.com.